Dr. John G. Stackhouse Jr. is our next guest on the show. He's a professor of many things over his lifetime, but he's the author right now recently of Why You're Here, Ethics for the Real World. John was on our show last week. I thought John should come back this week because I didn't know about his book. So I felt like a real he didn't tell you. jerk. What a meanie. JohnStackhouse.com, that's a website. John, are you on the East Coast? I still am. I'm heading back to the West Coast in a month, but uh, my teaching job is out here, and my wife and her job and family are on the West Coast, so I get to live uh, a life with a four-time zone commute, and it's getting a little old, I have to tell you. Wow. Wow, you are bi-coastal. Yep. Um, I've been called worse. Dr. John G. Stackhouse, Jr., I would like to introduce you to Dr. Rose Zacharias Meter. It's great to meet you. Nice to talk to you, too. Yeah, it's so exciting to be part of this conversation. Um, well, sh- yeah, we'll, we'll fix that. We'll fix you that think? in a minute. Just give us a couple of minutes. He sounds like Norm Allen, right? I, I hear Norm Allen in his voice. It's, yeah, the sense of humor. You yeah, same kind of voice. thing. Yep. Um, John, Rose is a medical doctor, and Rose said to me in the break, oh, I'm going to have to read this book because, yeah. you know, anything that has to do with ethics, you guys got to hunker down into. Is that yeah. right, Rose? Well, I love, I love this ethics for the real world because, I mean, I grew up in church. I live in medicine, um, been practicing eMERGE doc for almost 15 years. Um, but I want all the time to bring the thinking of, of uh, my God conversations into medicine because otherwise it's, it's all for naught and it really just doesn't matter. If what I read and hear and uh, you know, talk about in Christian conversations can't overlap into my everyday medical conversations, then um, it just doesn't really hold much water. Yeah, yeah. Well, John, I want to just give the setup here and stop at a couple of points because there's the yada yada at the start of the, uh, you know, the promotional stuff here for your book. So I want to go through this and then and then uh, read some stop points. Christians are often told either to take over the world in God's name or to withdraw into faithful sanctuaries of countercultural witness. Uh, in other words, um, isn't that what Jonestown was all about? Well, it doesn't have to be as extreme as that, and this is the thing. It's that this is a this is a book that's trying to avoid not only the wacky extremes, but also mm. the plausible extremes. The plausible extremes, Drew, it seems to me, is is uh, either we believe that we're doing the will of God in the world, and since we're on the side of the right and the true, we will um, pretty soon convert sector after sector of society and make it Christian again. And that can be the agenda of the religious right, Mm -hmm. but it can also be the agenda of the religious left. It can be the agenda of the Roman Catholic Church. It's the Mm. agenda of Dutch Calvinism when it's really fired up. So there's lots of plausible versions of this that are beckoning. And on the other side is the not only the uh, the Amish, but also folks who are understandably appalled by Christians getting too cozy with power mm. and advocating that we should leave power to the world and we should be, uh, emphasize weakness and withdrawal and purity. And, and I grew up uh, with a church that was very pious, uh, but it had almost nothing to say most of the time about almost everything that I was doing day by day. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to say about business or school, mm. or sports, mm-hmm. or romance, mm-hmm. or arts. It, it was basically, you know, uh, keep your nose clean, and otherwise, uh, try to get Jesus in every conversation you can, even if he doesn't want to join. Mm. 
you know, there'll be stuff like, uh, you know, we'd even teach ourselves little, little, uh, little tricks uh, to, to work on our, our so-called friends. And we'd say stuff like, you know, you see the game last night? Yeah, I sure did. But wasn't that a great goal? It sure was. And does your life have a goal? Oh, <laughs> gee whiz. It's so bad. It's so bad. So what we need is something that, that uh, when, when somebody's practicing medicine in an emergency room, it seems yes. to me that if she's focused yeah. on trying to get Jesus into the conversation yeah. and tell the patient four spiritual laws before they expire, yeah. she's misunderstood yeah. God's call in her life. Yeah. yeah. And at yeah. the same time, if the patient indicates some kind of oh. spiritual interest, what does she do then? Yeah. So this book is intended to help us with real-world ethical challenges and to help us go to work, whatever our work is, with a strong sense that we are contributing to the flourishing of the world and that God smiles on that. Absolutely. I've been in, I've been in the room. I mean, we have a family room, so actually... Not that long ago, we um, had someone come in, vital signs absent, they'd collapsed at home. And so it's the bells and whistles. It's what you see on TV. It doesn't happen every shift, but it was, can we resuscitate this person? Can we re-see a sign of life? Is there something to hold on to, to admit this person to an intensive care unit? Or is this actually the end of this person's life? And so uh, the resuscitation uh, was was done well, and medical has medicine has its limits. And uh, we came to the end, and it was awesome obvious that, um, and as a physician at the bedside, it's my job to call it. That's what we say. So, and mm-hmm. then it's over. And, um, and then we go about, I go about, and the nurses remind me, you know, the families in the family room, they need to know, like, we've done what we can. They've been waiting. They followed the ambulance and they're sitting in the family room. And so I've walked, I just did, I walked into the family room and, uh, and see an expectant face, but somewhat confused they don't know and then deliver the bad news and and I know in that moment it is confusing and I want that person to understand some degree of comfort but I don't know their whole gestalt or their whole where they're coming from it would be so so short-sighted of me mm-hmm. to offer some like silly platitude that maybe I believe to be true. Yeah, but hold on, hold but, on, jo- John. You've heard this, and Rose, you've heard this as well. Yeah. But if there, if if there's a, if your neighbor's house is on fire, yeah. You know, don't you? You got to get in there and rescue them. You got to. No, get... you run with buckets of water. Uh, okay. To <laughs> me, <laughs> that's that that's really powerful, Drew. I think that we live by our metaphors. And one of the metaphors I go after is is a similar one to the one you raised, namely, you know, the world is the Titanic and it's going down, and so we need to grab everybody and get them off. But but the world is not like an ocean liner going down. The world is much more complex than that. The world is more like uh, an extremely complex uh, battle or war that's being fought on multiple fronts at once. Mm. And some of those fronts are actually Cold War, not Hot War. And other mm. other fronts need to be a battle of hearts and minds, not a matter of conflict. So we need to get away from, I think, this simplistic idea that the world is something that we should think of in binary terms. In fact, the world is, is complex, and some things are getting better while some things are getting worse. And we need to be on the side of those things are getting better, whatever that is, even as we try to protect ourselves against the things that are getting worse. I think most sensible Mm -hmm. people get that, but they haven't read a theology that puts that in biblical terms. And that's what I'm trying to do in this book. Okay, so, uh, John, are you an evangelical? 
Well, let me just check. Yeah, yeah, I was just checking my card and my wallet, and I am up to date on that. <laughs> you got that. Okay, you paid your dues. Okay, I got it. Yep. So yep. if you're an evangelical, then does that not mean that, it, you know, you should always, uh, whenever you're presented with an opportunity to tell someone about Jesus, you should always be looking for that in? And, and should you not be concerned with the theology of hell and the fact that uh, many are apparently are going to go there because the road is narrow to heaven? Well, I'm an old-fashioned evangelical, the kind of guy who actually tries to check the Bible first before he says something. And one of the things I find interesting is that even Jesus doesn't feel he has to talk about Jesus all the time. Absolutely. (laughs) Jesus has lots of interesting things to say about lots of different subjects. And even though he's probably not going to see this person again, he doesn't get anxious and feel, oh, shoot, I'm going to have to back up and dump the whole load again to make sure this person's on their way. He seems to have a much more relaxed sense of just helping people move forward. Absolutely. Almost as if he trusts the Holy Spirit to be busy with them all the time, and it's not just up to him in this one crisis moment. I agree. I mean, I know we have been commanded to love one another. Who's that, we? Well, any so a Jesus follower. Okay. Yeah, has been commanded to love your neighbor as yourself. So. I think that you um, extend, you you are, I am, I am compelled by that command to extend love. But that love is going to look a whole lot different all sorts of times mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with sensitivity and non-judgment. But John, this isn't, you're, I mean, you know, we're sort of hijacking the conversation a little bit here. This is, this book isn't about uh, how to tell people about Jesus. No, it, it is and it isn't. That's interesting you put it that way, because one of the more points I try to make, Drew, is that long before you encounter any Christians in the Bible, you encounter human beings. And human beings on the first page of the Bible and on the last page of the Bible, and in between, Christians show up briefly. And God's call to the world begins with creation, to love God, to love our neighbor, to love the planet. This is what human beings are called to do, and that most of us whether we're Christians or not, most of the time, we're called to just be properly functioning human beings. Mm. Now, the Christian understanding of things is such that we have gotten, uh, we've gone astray, and we need Jesus, and we need the Bible, and we need the Gospel to get back on track, but not so that we can become Christians so much as we can become, once again, properly functioning human beings who can enjoy this world and the world to come. And so this is why it seems to me we we don't want to look for a Christian way of doing everything. Like there's a Christian way to mow my lawn with my Christian lawnmower and my Christian (laughs) gas, and I'm going to mow it and sort of overlap patterns or something, right? Yeah. Most of what we do most of the time is just trying to make shalom. It's just trying to make the world flourish. Hmm. But because the world is fallen and confused, sometimes Christians are given that wonderful opportunity to say, you know why the world's so screwed up? We think we know why. We think God has Mm -hmm. told us why, and we'd love to tell you why and invite you to help us rebuild the world. And it seems to me it's a much more expansive and welcoming approach to life that doesn't lose its urgency, but in fact there's a kind of urgency about everything we do, not just about our our evangelism. Um, John... Stackhouse Jr., otherwise known as Dr. John G. Stackhouse Jr., is a professor of many things, but he's the author of this book that we're chatting about, uh, Why You're Here, Ethics for the Real World. Uh, uh, let's see, his website, johnstackhouse.com, johnstackhouse.com. John, if you were to summarize your book in a way that would be 
a tad abrasive. In other words, a perfect promo for the Drew Marshall show. Uh. How would you how because you really are getting up in the grill of cultural you know, westernized, North American, American evangelical Christianity. You're kind of getting up in the grill of that whole scene and saying, guys, let's think this through a little bit here, mm. right? Well, I am. I mean, it, 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 uh, coming out of the background, I was raised in Drew. I was looking for something else. And for a while, I was a pacifist and very strongly inclined toward a kind of left-leaning a political ethic that was strong on a pure community that that um, almost a kind of monastic a kind of life. And that was very admirable in some ways. Um, but I found it just didn't embrace most of the world the way I think we should. And it didn't want to get its hands dirty. It would leave police work and the judiciary and military work and politics in the hands of others because it just felt it couldn't compromise. And I thought, boy, that's leaving an awful lot to people who aren't following Jesus. And then the other side was very refreshing, very world-embracive, but the, the dark side of it is very much an imperialism, that we know it's right, and we're going to take things over. And I thought, as a historian, when you look at the times in which Christians have really been able to run the culture for themselves, <laughs> whether it's the Puritan England or Puritan New England, or whether it's Tsarist Russia, or it's the Christian Deep South or yeah. South Africa, the story's pretty grim. And it came to me. It came to me that we need an ethic that's much more comfortable with the ambiguity of the world, with the way God actually seems to run the world. Which is to say, you know what? Everybody's a sinner. Christians are sinners. So is everybody else. And we need to keep each other in check. We need to have ways of living together that value each other's differences. And to either opt out of this or to try to take it over, I think, is to avoid the necessary complexity and difficulty and challenge and beauty of trying to live in a complex world, trusting Jesus to work with us as best he can. Wow. I think only when Jesus comes back is it going to be fixed. And in the meanwhile, uh, we soldier on. Really, really well said. John, you're really, I, I don't want to blow your, your your horn too much here or toot your horn or blow, put wind in your sails. Or, what is the saying? Uh, I, I think you've got no wind in your over sails. Compliment? You yeah, I don't want to over compliment. I'm going to stay with that. John, I, I don't want to suck up here, man, but dude, you are a great communicator. Awesome. Johnstackhouse.com. Johnstackhouse.com. Follow this guy. Creep on him. Sign up for whatever he's selling. Buy his book. Why you're here, Ethics for the Real World. I appreciate your time, John. Thank you. Well, just like that new Chapman's flavor, Drew, you know, I'm both tart and sweet. Nice. So, uh, <laughs> there you go. Nice. You've so just drewified yourself. Yeah. Well done. Well done. Thanks, John. Good to talk to you, buddy. Good Thanks, to guys. meet you, John. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye-bye.